Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. Billionaires, they live in exclusive neighborhoods and they live in huge homes and they have guards and alarm systems. Uh, They keep their distance. What a contrast that is from God, the greatest of the great, comes down in the form of a child. We could see him. We could touch him. We can experience him. And we can experience his presence. During the holiday season, we get to celebrate one of the greatest miracles that ever took place. Jesus came to earth to be a part of our world, our king. Who could have come as a rich man, a high-ranking official, or really as anything? He chose to be accessible instead. He wanted to be among his people, to get to know them and show them what love really looks like. Pastor Ed reminds us today that Jesus is still available to experience. He may not be here as a person, but the Holy Spirit is just as available. Let's join Pastor Ed in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, for part one of his message entitled, God With Us. This morning, I'd like to talk about God and us. God and you. That's the message of Christmas. How would you feel if you knew that this week God was going to visit you? He was going to come and see you. Some might be very fearful, nervous. If he's coming to my house, let me think about all the things I did wrong this year. (laughs) Or all the things I need to change. There might be a certain amount of trepidation. But what would it be like If God simply came and visited our church, or if he came to be with us, we have a a glimpse of that in the Christmas story. We're going to look at three ways that Emmanuel, God with us, impacts our lives. The promise found... In Matthew 18 to 25, in the dream when God spoke to Joseph, was that his name would be called Emmanuel. Now, that wasn't the literal name they gave the baby child. They called him Jesus. But that was referring to his role as Messiah. It would be God with us. God involved in our lives. God is with us. In Matthew one twenty three. a virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. What was God doing in the incarnation? What was he doing when he came down and took upon himself our humanity, born in an obscure town to an obscure family God did something he had never done before he took upon himself the form of flesh our humanity I believe that it was a revelation to us 
of who he was, a revelation of his person. Uh, John wrote in chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. What Jesus was doing was he was showing us what God is like. Theologians talk about natural revelation. That's when God reveals himself through his creation. You could look at a watch and you could say, boy, that watch was made by some fine watchmaker. It was intricate, it's beautiful, but it doesn't tell you anything about the person who made it. It doesn't tell you about their character. Well, we can discover from the stars that God spread out in the heaven that God is powerful. We could see in this earth that God created it orderly. We recognize God's ability, his design, his wisdom. But it doesn't tell us about him. In fact... um, Huxley's words would be true without Christ. Huxley said, the highest altar man can raise is to the unknown and unknowable God. Without God revealing himself in the person of Jesus, we wouldn't know what he was like. Other than that, he was powerful, he was mighty, he was great. But Jesus helped us to see him. Johnny Erickson Tata was in a Christmas Eve service. I mean, she was distraught. They were singing the carols. They were worshiping, but she felt disconnected. And she said to herself, I feel like my life is just a failure. I feel like I've failed at everything. And then they began to sing the old him, Emmanuel. It says, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here. And when that phrase was sung, that mourns in lonely exile here, she said, that's the way I feel. That's the way I feel. And then the next verse came. O come, thou day spring, Come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here and drive away the shades of night and pierce the clouds that, and bring us light. And she prayed, oh God, bring light into the darkness of my soul. In that moment, something happened and the light turned on. God revealed himself personally to her and that changed everything that's what God is doing in the incarnation that's God with us he came to show us what God is like he came to reveal his person but he came to reveal his presence to us he wants us to personally experience his presence it was John Blanchard who said To know God without God is impossible. As he is the source of all knowledge, he must be the source of knowledge about himself. We can't know God 
unless he comes and reveals himself to us. He's unknowable. And that's why he gave us a revelation of his person and a revelation of his presence. In Matthew 28, 20, it says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How different that is from people of greatness in our world. Uh, you, You have kings, you have presidents, you have celebrities. They're followed by an entourage of people to keep you away from them. Security guards, you know, uh, people who are going to be billionaires. They live in exclusive neighborhoods and they live in huge homes and they have guards and alarm systems. Uh, They keep their distance. What a contrast that is from God, the greatest of the great, comes down in the form of a child. We could see him, we could touch him, we could experience him, and we can experience his presence. He's approachable. There's an old play that depicted a monarch who is dying on his deathbed. And this monarch was dying on his deathbed, he said to those around him, My son will be my successor. Now, it had been the custom, according to the story, that no one ever saw the king because the king was godlike. But when the son began to reign, there was mercy, there was justice, there was peace in the land. There was a powerful transformation that came over the nation. And so the people said, we want to see our king. We want to see our king. In that play, they demanded to see him. And finally, the young monarch came out before them. And slowly from the various quarters, people, as they looked at him, began to say, when my baby was so sick, He came to see me. I didn't know it was the king. Uh, Someone else said, uh, when I was ill and I was sick, he came to see me. And, And I didn't know he was the king. Someone else, when I was in prison, he came to visit me. And I didn't know he was the king. That's what Jesus has done for us in our sickness, in our times of darkness, in our times of need. The king is with us. It begins in the first chapter of Matthew. His name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. It ends in chapter 28. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's the promise of his presence. It's this king who says, I will be a shepherd to shepherd you. I will be a savior 
to save you from your sins. I will be the friend that stick it closer than a brother. I will be the one who walks with you through the fiery furnaces of life. I'll be that kinsman redeemer who redeemed you. Why could he say to Moses, do not fear? Because he also said to Moses, I'm with you. Why did he say to Joshua, don't be afraid? Because he also said to Joshua, ah, I'll be with you. Why can you and I have confidence? Because he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God with us. He reveals to us his person. He reveals to us his presence. What's so profound is that God is not only with us, He's closer to us than our very breath. He is in us. When we said, Jesus, come into my heart, I give my life to you. Like the songwriter said, since Jesus came into my heart. When we said, Lord, come into my heart, everything changed. In 2 Corinthians 6.16, I will dwell in them. I love that. I will dwell in them and walk with them. I will be their God. He is in us to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He is in us to save us. God is in us to save us. And she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save us from our sins. To try and save yourself is impossible. It would be more possible to jump off the Verrazano Bridge with weights around your legs and the swim across the Atlantic to the London Bridge than it would be to save yourself. You can't do it. We needed a savior. The songwriter said, I was sinking deep in sin. But Jesus is that savior who saves us from ourselves, who saves us from our sin, who saves us from the powers of darkness. God in us to save us. In Psalm 48, 14, we're told that he is in us to guide us. Satan has put such blinders on the eyes of people. You know, I I was thinking about our young people. I was thinking about the various celebrities that were on Walt Disney Channel. I was thinking about Britney Spears, how she just, you know, self-destructed. I was thinking about Miley Cyrus, how it seems like she's going to self-destruct. As you see these people, you realize that they're going about life trying to find who they are. Direction. The enemy has blinded the eyes of people. And I love the scripture that tells us that God will guide us all through the journey. We have a map. We have an inner direction called the Holy Spirit who will guide us to make the right decisions and show us the right way. He is in us to guide us. Oh, this world is like a maze of confusion. People telling us to go this way and that way and the other way. But God says he will be a God to guide us, to show us the way. 
And then I love the fact that he is a God to restore us. In 1 Peter 5.10, a powerful passage of Scripture says, And the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. There are times that we feel like we're on our last leg. We're on the last lap. But the psalmist said, he restoreth my soul. There are times that we wonder and question, do I have energy to go on any further? But he's the one who restores us. I think about how that image of God in us has been so marred by sin. He's the one who takes the painting and he's painting over and he's restoring it And he's making us what we should be, what we could be. There's Peter. Uh, Peter is so unstable. But Jesus said, I'll make you a rock. There's Zacchaeus. He's caught up in greed and selfishness. But he meets Jesus and he becomes generous. See, God is restoring in you and me the image of God that had been lost through the fall. I think about Stuart Anderson. He wrote to back to the Bible a number of years ago. And he wrote how he got caught up in the 60s with drugs. He started off with just taking marijuana and then it went to a $300 a day habit uh, with other drugs. And then he wound up being involved in armed robbery. And he said, I was trying to be a nonconformist. I was trying to find myself. I was trying to follow the motto, do my own thing. And in doing it, I was conforming to all the rebellious people of that time. And he said, I found Christ in prison. And now I'm free to truly be who God intended me to be. Instead of needing a fix I carry a Bible (laughs) instead of doing my own thing I'm listening to the Lord my life has changed since Jesus came into my heart he comes in to dwell in our lives our destiny is always 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 found in God and God alone plug into God get a relationship with God walk with God and you become the person you're destined to be and you begin to walk in the path you're destined to walk in it's not found outside of God it's found in God and lastly as we've looked at God with us God in us now here's the shouting part God for us Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who could be against us? Now, Now just stop, look at that verse for a second. If God, put your name in there. If God is for Dave, if God is for Jim, if God is for Jill, if God is for Susan, if God is for, if God is for you, Who in the world could be against you? God is revealing that 
He is for you. He is there to help you. We've all heard of the story of Father Damien, a Belgian priest, back in 1873 when he went from Belgium to Hawaii. I remember when we went to Hawaii years ago visiting that famous church that he had preached in. Well, for 12 long years, Father Damien worked among the lepers with very little fruit, very little results. At the end of that time of working with the lepers, he decided to go back to Belgium, discouraged, defeated. And as he was boarding the boat, he looked down at his hands and he noticed there were white spots on his hands. He realized that he had contracted leprosy. He got off the boat, realizing he would have to stay, went back to the chapel and began to preach. And from that point on, people flocked, the lepers flocked to hear him because he was one of them. That's what God did in Christ. He came and he became one of us to say to you and to say to me, I know what you're going through. I know where you've been. I know what you're experiencing. I know about your emotions and I am with you and I'll be in you and I'll be for you. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's the promise. There is a blessed acceptance that we have with God. In Ephesians 1, 6, it says, He has made us accepted in the beloved. Remember the old uh, crusades under Billy Graham? He would always close his sermon with an altar call. And then... They would sing, just as I am, without one play, but that thy blood was shed for me. And he was saying that they were accepted just as they were because of what Jesus did on the cross. And that acceptance follows us all through the journey, not just when you come down at an altar call, not just when you walk before a church and say, I'm going to accept Christ. No, no, it's all through accepted in the beloved God looks at us and embraces us and accepts us God has already declared us acceptable in heaven's court he has passed the vote he has passed the verdict he said accepted in the beloved there's a, an acceptance that you have and an assurance that you have in the Lord. There's a blessed assurance that we can have because God is for us. We know that all things, in all things, God works for good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I I like the way Thomas Brooks said it. Assurance makes heavy afflictions light, long afflictions short, and bitter afflictions, sweet. Uh, God is, is working for us. Uh, we have an enemy, the world, the flesh, the devil. 
We've all heard the cliche phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season. But the question is this, is he? Is Jesus the center of your life? Or is Christmas just one of the two times during the year that you visit the church? Are you a part of the body of Christ? During the Christmas season, there are many opportunities to stop and reflect on the greatest gift of all. But like all gifts, it's only enjoyed when you receive it. The important part of this season is being sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. Are you ready for the King? Have you received the upward call? We'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. Dr. Jones and the entire congregation at Faith Assembly would like to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.